0: You're listening to a message from Canby Foursquare Church in Canby, Oregon. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Visit canbyfoursquare.com to learn more. A special guest, Pastor Alpha Hayward, with us, and Pastor Alpha and Monica, Pastor Revolution Foursquare in Lentz, Portland. And let me tell you, they genuinely live lives for sharing the love and grace of Jesus Christ in their community. They keep the company Jesus kept, both in terms of people inside the church and people outside the church. They live that day in and day out. They have an incredible event called Day in the Park where they take over a park in the neighborhood and find ways to creatively share the gospel with people who wouldn't normally want to come inside a church. And they do that. And so they live, breathe, eat, and sleep evangelize so we are beyond honored to have them here. And I'm so excited to learn from them. So Pastors Alpha and Monica, would you please come up?
1: Thank you, Joy. Appreciate you. Good morning, Canby Foursquare. Come on, good morning, Canby Foursquare. Just because it's first service don't mean we can't have some come on, right? This is my wife, Monica. Hello. Before I get going, I want to let her share whatever she wants to share.
2: Um, Just a little bit about us. We um, have been married 20 years this August, yes, and uh, thank you. Blissful years, huh, babes? Yeah. (laughs) Um, We have three daughters. Our oldest is, as part of our testimony, she'll be 20 um, January 2nd. We have a senior in high school. Uh, Kaylena, we have second one senior in high school, and then we have a third who um, goes to North Clackamas Christian, which I saw one of the ladies there. Um, but uh, yeah, we've just been in ministry for pretty much our whole marriage, and we start off in youth ministry. Ten years um, mm-hmm. we've done. This is our third church plant. Uh, first, as senior pastor's eight years ago, and so needless to say, um, when you say yes to the Lord and you say, Lord, use me, and you just uh, surrender your life to Him. Uh, The adventure begins and the Lord has taken Alpha um, and I places we probably never thought um, the Lord would take us or use us and has given us opportunity to share his word um, from the homeless man on the street, um, the prostitute to people who are very affluent, which is just really amazing how the Lord, um, his word goes forth everywhere. And it doesn't return void, and it's for everybody. And so, um, in Alpha and I's heart, we both just really love people. Um, We love to see God transform lives, and it is the Word of God at the end of the day. God has so burned that in my heart that um, it's not us, it's just us being willing to use, um, just be willing to use by the Lord, His Holy Spirit, and His Word, which is uh, transforming and powerful. And so, I just leave you before Alpha. Preaches. Um, I just leave you with this strong conviction in my heart that it is very, very important to be in your word every single day. It's because this word transforms your life. Um, your pastor here gets up and preaches the dynamic message, I'm sure, on Sundays, but that's not enough you know, that is, it's good, it's good to be in worship with your brothers and sisters and bring people here, but at the end of the day, where the growth really happens and where the Lord really speaks to you is in his word, and so I just really encourage you with that, and let the word transform your lives and just surrender everything to him and let the adventure begin.
1: Amen. Thanks, babe. The Bible does say, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, amen? Dwell in you richly, and, um... Pastor Ron and Annette are awesome people, special people, and I want to say something. Can be Foursquare, y'all do family really well. You do family well. Go ahead, give yourselves a round of applause. That's good. A lot of churches struggle with being a family, and I just want to encourage you that if you're one of those kind of people that come to this church and you don't ever talk to anybody, you try not to sit next to anybody. Don't blame this church that you can't get connected. Because this church loves you and wants to connect with you, wants to build relationship with you. And there's people in this church that love you enough not to leave you the way that you came in. Amen? And that's real love, right? That you'll build relationship, you'll disciple people, and you'll show them how to walk with Jesus, whether they want to agree with you or not. Come on, somebody. And um, a long time ago, my pastor that we planted our church from, we used to go to Eastside Foursquare Church with Pastor Eric Bain, and um, he went to this church. So our pastor went to this church, started Eastside Foursquare Church, and then Revolution Church got birthed out of that. So praise the Lord how relationships happen. I I came to this church years ago with my youth group. I think I was a sophomore in high school, and me and a friend of mine attempted to do some Christian hip-hop music here in your youth center. (laughs) And uh, what better place to come than can be where everyone's from the country where they don't like rap music anyway, right? So, you know, but um, that was when Jim Hansen was your youth pastor. And uh, my youth pastor was Bill McKee. And uh, Bill McKee and, and his wife and their family attend our church, and Bill McKee is our executive administrative pastor. So see how things, you know, family's important. But what I want to talk to you about today is on, on the subject of the company that Jesus keeps because... Even though we love church and we love church family and we love having a family, the Lord also instructs us that if you're, a, if you're a Bible believer, I'm not talking about believer the way everybody else wants to be, you know, believe believer. I'm talking about a Bible believer. Then you go from being a Christian to being a disciple. If I say something, that's the truth. Could you say amen? amen. It means you go from being a Christian to being a disciple. And, and when you become a disciple, you begin to grow in your relationship with the Lord, but also in, the, in what he has called you to do. And what he has called you to do is for the purpose of advancing his kingdom. Amen. And so being a, being a Christian and, and coming to church is not just about coming to church, but it's about being the church. Just like preaching the gospel is not about just preaching the gospel, it's about being the gospel. So there is something about being God's uh, hands and feet extended everywhere he goes so he can use us to do whatever he wants. And sometimes what he wants is not what we are comfortable to do. You ever hear people say stuff like, that's not my gift. You know what? That's not my anointing. That's not my gift. Well, I want to tell you that if that's what you tell people, I want to expose the cop-out. It's just a cop-out. Because if God wants to use you at any given time to do whatever, you remember the scripture that says you are not your own, you are bought with a price. The same blood that covers your sin and saves you and saves me is enough for somebody else to get saved. Right? And so there has to be something inside of our hearts That along with being discipled, along with being connected, along with growing in the grace and the love of Jesus, there has to be something in us as a Bible-based Christian that has to have some kind of willingness towards anyone who doesn't know Christ. And sometimes that's a, you're on the bus or you're, you're on the street or you're at the grocery store and God says, go talk to that person now and you're like, whoo, you know, and that's like going on right now. And then there are some times where you work with somebody or your neighbors with somebody, and it takes some time. But either way, God just wants people who are willing. You know? You could can I tell you a secret, you can be anointed all day long. If you don't have willingness, you might as well stay at home. God can do a whole lot with willingness more than you can ever think of to change somebody's life around. You know, I I could go through story after story of of telling you things about even some of the people you know like Billy Graham and Luis Palau and how they got saved and and how how the whole story happened going all the way back to the 1800s and 1900s and how that person affected this person and that person affected this person and this person. Then all of a sudden, here comes Billy Graham or here comes Luis Palau Okay? Or here comes Amy Simple McPherson. And it was through a nobody that decided to tell somebody about Jesus. And so the company that Jesus keeps, well, I probably don't even have to tell you, Jesus hung out with everybody. Before I go there, I want to re- reiterate a passage of Scripture that all of us should know, especially being foursquare, is Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And it says this. It says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my what? Witnesses. Witnesses. Can somebody tell me what a witness is in reference to this scripture? I'm not talking about being a Jehovah witness. Somebody who shares the gospel, Right? You shall be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Can you look at somebody and say, you're a witness? Look at the next person, hey, you're a witness. I just want you to remind them, because as we read what the Bible says and we get into this, sometimes it's easy to think about how this is good for somebody else. This is good for you, just like it's good for me. Amen? Amen? Even pastors, man. Like, the way I'm wired, I can't sit at a desk all day. I can't do it. I really can't. Um, as a matter of fact, that would be like a form of fasting for me. <laughs> I can't do that. I can do it for a limited time. I got to have breaks from sitting down. Isn't that weird? I got to have breaks from sitting down at a desk. Researching and emailing and answering phone calls and and calling people. I just can't do those kind of things very well. But I like to do things that have to do with, like, doing, working with your hands and interacting with people. I like doing that. And um, we have to be careful about this thing called a bubble. And as Christians, sometimes we grow up believing that it's perfectly fine to embrace. A bubble of protection. Here's the problem with that bubble of protection. Is the bubble is something that we build. If I'm going to be in a bubble, let it be something that the Holy Spirit provides for me. Not something that we build, you see. And what happens is, is if something is um, making us feel uncomfortable, then we don't want it in our bubble. And we've got to be careful with that. Because then what you do is you cut out different cultures of people. You cut out different races. You cut out different people groups based on what they look like or, or the way they talk or the way they smell. And you, we, we got to be careful with that because as believers, as Christ has called us to be, we, we can't be in these bubbles where God won't use us or can't use us to do other things for his kingdom. We've got to love people. We've got to learn to love people where they're at. And we can't have the expectation upon people that they should be acting like Christians when they don't even know who Christ is, you know. And I understand, you know, you want to protect your kids. It's not like you want to just start letting your five-year-old watch rated R movies and stuff like that. You know, I don't believe in doing things like that. I don't think you should go into something that could be really unsafe for your family unless the Holy Spirit has told you to go. Because there will be missionaries that will stand up here and argue with you right now right? But when the the Lord says go, then you got to go. And you can't let fear of something bursting your bubble keep you from fulfilling the mission that Christ has called all of us to do. Amen? Amen? So even if you say, well, I don't know how to talk to those kind of people. Well, Jesus knows how to talk to everybody. And it's not supposed to be you That's doing the effective reach anyway. It's Jesus in you that's going to do it. And the Holy Spirit will give you the words to speak at the right time. But he only needs one thing. Somebody who's what? Come on, man. You guys are awesome. (laughs) I love it. So in Mark chapter 2, verse 13. Mark chapter 2, verse 13. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. And when the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick, and I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now, Jesus encountered everybody the least of these, right? He, he encountered people like tax collectors who had the reputation of being what? Thieves, betrayers, extortionists, and bullies. Like, Jesus, why would you hang out with people like that? That's messing up your reputation. Jesus didn't care about his reputation. Jesus uh, hung out with prostitutes and Samaritans. Samaritans were who? They, they were, they were uh, considered like rebellious mixed breeds who didn't deserve God. Okay? They were, they were considered the outcasts. You're not a purebred Hebrew, so get out, you know? Religious leaders. Jesus hung out with the average Joe. He hung out with fishermen, doctors, people with leprosy, demonized or demon-possessed people. He hung out with addicts, sick people, disabled folks, special needs people, broken. Broken people, right? Some of us are in that category, amen? Amen. And guess what? Jesus also hung out with military people. So what up, veterans? (laughs) What this tells me is is that Jesus did not pick a class or a race or a color of people to associate with. Jesus only saw people who needed their lives saved by his love and his grace. Jesus used his time on earth in the flesh as a man to break all the religious rules and barriers to reach those in need. Jesus tore down the cultural and traditional walls that separated people. Jesus brought conflict everywhere he brought a miracle in order to save some. Jesus' mission was to carry out the Father's will, and that was to save sinners. Jesus chose 12 men to be his disciples, and they were literally the dirty dozen. Fishermen, tax collectors, doctors, and the average guy. And one that that catches my attention a little more than the others is Judas. Because in this group of 12, there was Judas, and he was the betrayer. He was the one that took the 30 pieces of silver, turned his back on Jesus and all the other disciples. He was stealing money from the purse the whole time. Can I ask you a question? Do you think Jesus didn't know that? I just want it to sink for a minute. I'm going to drink this water. Jesus knew Judas' heart was not right. And he knew Judas was stealing money. But I'm amazed at how Jesus allowed him to be part of the Twelve. He continued to disciple him. He didn't eliminate him from his job. Jesus did things a little different than us. I mean, if it was me and I was in charge and I knew you were taking money, I'm like, you're fired, dude. You're out, you know? And some people believe, well, Jesus, you know, allowed him to hang out because it was part of the predestined plan, you know, for him to, I'm not a Calvinist, so I I don't really follow all all of that too well. Because I believe that if Judas wanted to get his heart right, he could have just like you and I can. Now, but Jesus knew who this man was, and he didn't just throw him out. Can I tell you something that we do sometimes that is, that is just a big mistake as the church, as Christians, is we find out some flaws in people and we want to kick them out. If you really want to make a difference, don't kick them out, because all you're doing is making it easier for you. And Jesus never said discipleship would be a piece of cake. You know, sometimes you got to spiritually whoop people. you got to say, man, I love you enough to whoop you. You know what? You're going to get disciplined for what you did, but we're not letting you go. You're going to get disciplined. You're going to go through a process, but we're just not going to let you go because we love you. Now, if you want to run and you want to go, that's on you, but our arms are open. But we're telling you what love and help looks like. We're not going to let you tell us. We're going to tell you what it is. You see what I mean? And that's what we got to do. So when you're a church that says we love our community, we want to welcome everybody. You got your arms wide open and people start coming, and you're like, oh, wait a second. Don't no no don't don't do that. what are you doing? No, don't do no 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 no. If you do that, you can't come here, right? So we gotta be a little more thoughtful and strategic in what we're saying with what we're saying. But there needs to be something in place that says I know how to minister and help people who are struggling this way or that way, so let's do that. Amen? Amen. And I just think it was pretty awesome in the Bible that Jesus knew what Judas was like and he still had him be a part of the team. And I use that little piece of information just for us to think about the fact that before we want to be quick to have somebody be released or thrown out of the church, let's really think about that. Let's prayerfully think about that. Amen? Amen. Remember, if you're just doing something to make your life easier, it's probably wrong. If you're just doing it to make it easy for you, it's probably wrong. How how many youth pastors in the house, youth leaders, youth pastors, people involved in youth ministry in here? How many of you? None? They're all serving right now? Okay. Okay. I was a youth pastor. My wife was a youth pastor, right? We, we, we did that. for. And wasn't there some people in your youth group that you were like, I'm going to call your parents, and you're never coming back here, <laughs> right? You're never coming back here again. When, when we were youth pastors, I was not paid to be a youth pastor. I wasn't paid to ministry for years and years, and um, I'm still bivocational, but I do receive some pay from the Lord. Come on, praise the Lord, from the church, you know? And... Um, So for years, we did it for free, and the thing that was cool about it is I'd look at some of these kids, because only half of them went to my church, and the other half came from the neighborhood, and I'd say, I am not paid to be here. (laughs) I'd tell I'm not paid to be here. I'm here because I love you. And if you can't deal with my little bit of rules that I have for you, then you don't need to come here and hang out and kick it. I'd say, so go home. And you know what? None of them would go home. They'd stay there. Because they knew I loved them. And it's amazing when love is stronger than the circumstance that's going on. Let love, you you know, your love from Christ that you've received. You know, the Bible says freely you have received, freely give. You're not going to be able to give to nobody what you haven't received from somebody. Right? You have to receive all that awesomeness from the Lord... So that you could give and administer that awesomeness to other people. Otherwise, all you're doing is working. That's all you're doing is a job. And you know the difference between somebody who serves the Lord because they're loving it, because they received his love, and somebody who's just doing a job. Usually the people who are just doing a job, they don't last very long. But people who are doing it because it's their acceptable form of worship because they're so in love with Jesus, they stick around for a long time. So we got to make sure that we're doing what we're doing because we love the Lord. we got to receive love from the Lord so that we can give love from the Lord. Does that make sense? I can only give you what I've received. You know how people talk about grace? It, if I understand grace, I can give Grace but I can't just understand it right here. It has to be flowing all up in me and through me so that it it really just permeates out of me when I'm around people. Amen. Amen. It doesn't have to be nothing I work up. People who are worshipers, you know they're worshipers because they're always worshiping. And they always want to worship harder and they always want to do more stuff. They always want to get louder. They always want to jump. And that's all right because that's what worshipers do. And what's the worshiper do? Try to pull the worshiper out of you. I guarantee you, nobody on this worship team came up here to worship God for you. They do what they do to encourage us to do what we already should be doing. How much time I got? Okay. Look, as we read in Acts, we receive power to be his witnesses, right? Jesus was a great friend to people. He hung out with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, Mary of Magdala. That's just some of the people that he would hang out with. But Jesus had friends, and he called his disciples friends, amen? He had four brothers as well. Jesus had four brothers. He was connected emotionally to his disciples. Do you agree with that? He was connected emotionally to his family and his friends. He wasn't so mission minded that he didn't care about people. You know what's a dangerous thing? To ask somebody to do in church is to connect emotionally. Because people get hurt in church. Has anybody been hurt by anybody in their own family? <laughs> Have you? Somebody in your family hurt you before? Why would you think it can't happen in church? Somebody gets hurt in church, man, I ain't going to that church no more. I got two words. Grow up. I've been hurt by the church, man. I almost quit. You know that? I almost said, man, I don't want to do this kind of stuff no more. I just want to stay an evangelist. Then I can go and preach and I don't have to do nothing with people. Just preach and then let the church, you know, all the churches do everything else. But God called me to be a pastor, so it is what it is. And he gave me all girls, so it is what it is. I mean, he was cha- <laughs> he's changing things in me, you know? I used to have a serious, like, honestly, like, like a demonic anger problem. And the Lord set me free. Like, he's done a change inside of me. So everything I'm sharing with you, you know, I'm being really real about it. You know, because I'm also sharing from even some of my personal struggle. That you can't be so mission-minded that you don't care about people. Jesus was able to put relationship over task. In business terms, you would say people over profit. In hip-hop terms, you would say God over money. But the point of the matter is is that people come first. And in ministry and and in, in doing what God has called you to do, it's always about people more than the task. Well, I got to get this job done. Yes, we do. But there are times where the Holy Spirit will interrupt your job that He gave you to do. So that you could be a light to somebody, be an encouragement to somebody. And you know what? We can't forget the backsliders either. That we got to love the backsliders. I backslid. 17, 18 years old, I was was living like hell, man. And you know what? My youth pastor's assistant, good friend of mine, Steve Dong, he called me every month knowing that I wasn't walking with Jesus. And he was determined to keep calling me and keep encouraging me until I started coming back to church. And it worked. So people in your family, people in your church who have fallen away from the faith, don't cross them off. Make it your personal mission to say, "Uh uh-uh, the devil can't have you. You're coming back. You know, sometimes you got to get a little bit old school. Do I got any old school people in here with me? Like, you know, old school where you pray things like, devil, you can't have my son in Jesus' name, you know? Is, Is there any people in here who would literally open the front door of their house or pull over on the side of the road and open the door and say, devil, get out of my car, right? Sometimes you got to pray that way. Sometimes you got to say things like Lord send the hounds of heaven after Jimmy and bring him back. Come on, if you got somebody who's lost in the world or lost in drugs or alcohol abuse, doing things that are crazy, you know, it start calling them out by name. Give the devil his business. You know, tell him say no. I take authority in the name of Jesus. See, when you understand authority in Jesus, you can take authority in Jesus. Amen. Last I checked, there wasn't a demon in hell, Satan himself, or a disease or nothing that could whoop Jesus, right? That's who we work for, right? We got nothing to be afraid of. If God be for us, who can be against us? No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Amen? We are more than conquerors through Christ. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he must flee from you. Amen? Amen. And sometimes you got to do that. You know, sometimes, man, you're out in public, you're out there just trying to love people and and whatever, and the Lord will have you just start going into spiritual warfare right on the bus, right on the street. What are you going to do? You pray. And you say, come out in the name of Jesus. Amen? And you watch God get the glory. Amen? You don't don't say, you know, I'm not sure how I am about that stuff, so I'm just going to not go to those places. What if the Lord tells you to go? Then you got to go. Jesus encountered people for the purpose of what he can do to love and save them. Jesus mentored and trained his disciples. He wasn't their little buddy. And he never avoided conflict. Number three, Jesus was very intentional about his mission, but he had the compassion to care while being focused. Number four, Jesus includes us all to be a part of his plan knowing that you and I have problems. That's right. You know how you try to take yourself out by telling Jesus you got too many problems that he can't use you? Do you know anything about the 12 disciples that we just briefly mentioned? They had more issues than Sports Illustrated, you know? (laughs) Number five, Jesus never let any kind of disability or sickness keep him from people. You know how sometimes you're like, you know, I'm going to avoid those kind of people or this. You know what? Jesus never did that. He left it open to anybody. Number six, Jesus did fellowship with unbelievers. He ate and he drank with them, but Jesus did not act worldly and stupid in order to relate with people. You know what? I'm tired. This is where I'm going to close on this little rant right here is... I'm tired of when people put Jesus' name on stuff that they shouldn't put his name on. And I don't believe that you have to be sinful to be able to relate with people who are going to hell. I don't believe that one bit. Be the Jesus that God has called you to be, wherever he puts you, wherever he places you, and you be you, be yourself. Don't go looking for conflict, but don't avoid it either, but have that big heart of love that says, you know what, man, I'm going to love you into the kingdom, and you don't even know it, right? Pray for them, love on them, engage in conversation, but don't argue with people. Don't, you know, this, this guy I used to work with, he was a, he was boldly proclaiming he was an atheist. Oh, yeah, I used to go to church, man, used to do this, used to do that. I don't believe in that stuff no more. I'm an atheist, just really, really out, outward about it, but every once in a while he'd ask me some questions, of course, as, as a lot of atheists would do, because they like conflict, a lot of them do. And I'd engage in these conversations and we would just have conversation. And one day he told me, he said, "You know what, Alpha? I said, what?" His name was Marty. He said, "What's up, Marty?" He said, "I like how I can talk to you about stuff, and you don't try to fight me." I said, "Hey, man, we're just talking." What's there to fight about? You know, and in a joking way, I said, I know I'm right. You know? (laughs) And uh, we had that kind of relationship where we can be sarcastic and kind of joke with each other. But one day he called me, just out of the blue. He called me up. He goes, Hey, Alpha. I go, Hey, what's up? Who's this? He said, Hey, this is Marty. What's up, Marty? He said, Hey, man, I got to tell you something. I said, What happened? He said, I went to church. I said, What'd you do that for? (laughs) He said, I met this girl. Oh man. What'd you do? Get her pregnant or something? He's like, no, we we started we started going out, and she told me that if, if our relationship was going to go anywhere, I was gonna have to go to church. And so he said, I planned on going to church one time. And guess where he went? He went to East Hill. And guess who was preaching? Ted Roberts. And he said, man, I went to that church, I sat in the back, and I'm watching, you know, church on the TV, because, you know, at their church, they got TVs everywhere, you know. You think you're at Best Buy in that church sometime, <laughs> Sitting there, watching the TV, the preachers, you know, wait, you, you guys been there, right? You guys kind of know what I'm talking about. Maybe you've been there, maybe you've seen it. It's, it's, it's a larger facility, they got TVs so that you can see what's going on, because, you know, anyway. So he's sitting there watching it, and he's like, yeah, and then he, like, started uh, closing his message out, and, and I, I swear, man, I, I believe, like, everything he was saying, it was like he was looking at me and he was talking to me. And I, and I, I, I started getting mad. This is a true story, man. I worked with this guy at Olive Garden, okay? And um, anyways, what happened is uh, an altar call was given, and he refused to stand up. And the Holy Spirit made him get up, like, picked him up. And he said, he said that he finally stood up and he said that he did not want to stand up but he felt like something was picking him up and he said he just broke down and cried like for 30 minutes. Gave his life back to Christ. Radically saved. Married. Got kids. And still going to East Hill. But when he called me, he told me thank you because the seeds got planted. And see, for some of us, we're going to go plant seeds, and some of us are going to harvest. The Bible even talks about that. It says that in John chapter 4, you know the, the story about the woman at the well. When you get towards the end of that chapter, Jesus talks about how the fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages. And the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants and another harvests, and it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work, and now you will get to gather the harvest. And I just want to say in the name of the Lord that I believe that's a word for Canby Foursquare Church. I believe that is a word for you That God is calling this church to harvest in this community for seeds that you didn't plant. That the harvest time is now. So I want to encourage you to be intentional about being a bunch of evangelists in Canby, in Clackamas County, and wherever God has placed you. I want you to start being the kind of people who are prayerfully always looking for opportunities to share Christ. And if you feel convicted right now because you're like, you know what? My life is not right. I I got no business telling people about Jesus. Well, then you know what you need to do? Repent. Stop giving the excuse about your shortcomings. Jesus died for your shortcomings. He died for your shame. He died for every single mistake you've done or you're going to do tomorrow. He's eliminated your no so that you can say yes. And if your life is not right, then repent. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's all you got to do. If you're in this church today and you don't know Jesus, maybe someone brought you, maybe you got dragged in kicking and screaming. Maybe you're a teenager and you're like, I hate church. I refuse to be here, but I got talked into it. or I got made to be here because I got in trouble, whatever. I want to tell you something, man. Jesus is the best decision you'd ever make in your life. He'll, he'll take your life and make it so much better than you could have done yourself. He'll put you on an adventure you, you would, you'd probably think twice about. So I want to pray for you. I want to pray that the Lord would just bless you with the anointing the fearless anointing to be evangelists. I want to pray for anyone that's not walking with Jesus. And I want to pray for anyone that knows people close to them, in their family, in their friendship, that have backslidden and walked away. Can you join me in that? Will you stand with me? Now, I believe you have, you have like information in your seats, right? Behind your seats. If anybody makes a decision to follow Christ today, I want you to take out that piece of paper behind you. I don't care if it's an offering envelope, whatever it is. You put your name on it. Put the contact information that you feel comfortable with, okay? And you put it right up here in the front for joy, and she'll grab those. And somebody will call you, and they'll pray with you. They'll encourage you. They'll get you plugged into this church so you can grow in the Lord, okay? Let's pray together. Father, in the powerful name of Jesus, I want to thank you, God, that you have included us all in your plan that you have called us all to be ambassadors for you. But Lord, we also confess to you that we have shortcomings, we have weaknesses, we have fears. But Lord, if you'll take our willingness, and if you will forgive us of our faults, Lord, we will say yes to you. And if that's your heart, if that's your prayer today, then I just want you to say, yes, Jesus. Come on. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, for anybody that doesn't know you, that needs to make that decision today. This is all you need to do to start this relationship, is you just need to say, Jesus, I recognize that I'm not right with you. I'm a sinner. But I want to receive your forgiveness. I want to receive your grace. Would you please forgive me? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on. if you.
0: Thank you for listening. Please let us know if you have questions or would like us to pray with you. You can contact the church office most weekdays at 503-266-4444 and anytime through CanbyFoursquare.com.